We love those videos, by the way. We've been doing a series here, if you're new to us, we've been doing a series for the last three or four weeks uh, here called Better Together, and um, every week there's been a different excerpt from that uh, video, and um, those of us who've been good up to speak after that video always kind of go, well, how do you follow that? Uh, it's amazing, and if you want to see that whole video, it's on our YouTube channel, well, well worth a, a watch. Uh, we've been talking through this series called Better Together about investing in each other across the different generations and across different groups of people that we need each other, that we're better together and we're better if we're able to help each other because we're aware that so often in our culture and society today, the great temptation is to blame each other. We like to blame each other across the generations. Younger people like to blame older people, and older people like to blame younger people. And so today, and through this series, we've been trying to say, look, we think there's a better way than that, because actually we really need each other, and we can learn from each other, and that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. And this is true for all of us, whether we would say we were church people or not, whether we would say we were Christians or not, this is true for all of us, actually. We all need other people in our lives. Last week, I said that life is a group project, that we're supposed to do life with other people, and that we really need each other. Now, I wanted to ask a question as I sort of launch into today. I'm wondering how you got to the building today. If you're on site with us today, how did you get here? Did, um, did anybody walk to church today? Did anybody walk to the building today? Okay, two, three, four, four, five people. Excellent. So a few of us. A few of us walked today. Who, did anybody come on a bike? Did anybody bike to church today? I know we've got at least one amazing guy who serves on our kids' team who often bikes and then comes and serves on the kids' team and then bikes home like miles. It's miles, I think, isn't it? I'm like, yes, a lot. Um, anybody come in a car today then? Okay, the vast majority of us came in a car. Okay, and if you're uh, online with us today, I'm guessing you probably walked from maybe your bedroom to your kitchen or something. But anyway, it's great to have you, you with us as well. I want to tell you a story today about the time I went to church in a canoe. Has anybody ever been to church in a canoe before? No, no, uh, no. This is a unique experience. And I promise you, this is true. I went to church in a canoe. This is absolutely uh, true. And it happened many years ago now when I was 16. And when I was 16, I went on a youth project with a group of churches in my town where I grew up to Kenya. And this. He said, please can you remind everybody, these haircuts were cool when we were 16, all right? He was just very keen that I tell everybody that. So Ian, I've done that for you, mate. So um, this is my mate Ian, and Ian is my best friend and has been my best friend for many years. And a lot of that friendship was formed on this trip, actually, that we did uh, together when we were 16. A group of about 12 young people and three adults. I'd never been on a plane before, never been anywhere other than uh, England before. And suddenly we were off to Kenya for a month to help build a dormitory in a school on a project with some young Kenyans where we lived together and built this dormitory uh, together. I think, I mean, we were useless, but other people were much better than us and we were just told what to do. But then on weekends, and particularly on Sundays, we went and visited different churches in the rural community which we were part. And on this particular day, uh, we were split into pairs and I was with a young lady called Susie and we had to go in a canoe, and I think we got a picture of the canoe, in a canoe across... Uh, it was a most incredible experience, that, that trip. We had so many adventures. We came back with so many stories. But you know what? More than anything else, it was an investment that other people were making into my life. And I am so grateful for that investment. The three leaders were called Rob, Pete, and Maggie. 
And they gave up so much to take. Can you imagine taking what it must have taken to take a bunch of like 16, 15, 16, 17-year-olds for a month to Africa? I mean, that was an extraordinary sacrifice. They gave up their families for a month, and they led this trip and all of that kind of stuff. It was an amazing commitment that they made, and they gave us so many opportunities. Opportunities. We had to speak in that church, Susie and I, when we went there. We had to get up and say some things. Uh, we had to speak in trips we did when we came back, telling everybody what we'd done. We were uh, given the responsibility to lead daily devotions while we were away. All this stuff I'd never had the opportunity to do before that suddenly uh, this investment was being made in me. And I learned so much. And uh, by God's grace, over the years, I've had the opportunity myself now to lead teams of people on trips overseas. And I've led a number of teams to Africa myself. And so many of the lessons that were poured into me then, we still do on the trips that we go on when we go overseas now ourselves. That's an example, and an amazing example, and a, and a real privilege it was to do. An example of people of an older generation pouring into my life when I was, frankly, an obnoxious know-it-all, pretty difficult to control 16-year-old. And it was life-transforming, and it was forming for me, and I'm sure Ian would say the same. I'm so grateful for the sacrifice, for the wisdom, and for the leadership of those people who did that trip. You know, we are quick to blame each other across the generations. But actually, when we work well together, it's life-transforming. And you know, this whole thing about blaming each other across the generations, if you don't believe me, I've got a quote for you. Here's a quote um, that I really love about young people. And it says this, They, young people, think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. So this is an older generation speaking not very helpful words to a younger generation. And uh, I wonder if you know when that quote comes from, because sometimes we think that blaming the younger generations is a modern-day phenomenon. I want to tell you that the person who spoke that quote was called Aristotle, and he lived in the 4th century BC. So for that long, people have been blaming the younger generations. What about this? This is another quote. We defy anyone who goes about with his eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude on the part of young folk which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from the Hull Daily Mail in 1925. So I'm, I think we probably don't have anybody who's of a, a, a generation where they were the ones being spoken about by the whole Daily Mail. But if you were young, around about 1925, this is what the older generations thought about you. And maybe sometimes you found yourself saying this sort of thing about the younger generations. It seems that there's this thing where the older generations are forever bemoaning the younger ones. And of course, it works the other way around as well. How do we do better than this? Because when we are functioning well together across the generations, it changes things. And we need each other. And I was thinking about that in preparation for today. As we finish this series, is there some wisdom that we could share this morning for the older generations and for the younger generations that would help us be better together and help us learn well from each other? And this wisdom is going to come straight out of the story of God. But whether you are a Jesus follower or not, this wisdom is applicable to you, I promise. So here we go. Here are two pieces of wisdom, first of all, for the older generations. And then I've got two pieces of wisdom for the younger generations. 
The first piece of wisdom comes uh, from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, which was law given to the people of God many, many years ago. And it says this, to the older generations, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. So the first piece of wisdom that comes to the older generations is don't forget what God has done. Don't let your hearts grow hard. You know, it's easy as we get older for our hearts to grow harder, isn't it, if we're honest? For us to be more cynical or more skeptical, for us to forget maybe the good things from our lives or the things that God has done in our lives, and they can fade from our heart and our hearts can grow hard. We will have nothing to pass on to the next generations if our hearts are hard. But then the writer of this book, after doing that, says, don't let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Then teach them to your children and to their children after them. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Guard your heart so that it is soft. Soft toward God and the things that God is doing in your life and soft towards the younger generations. Live in such a passionate relationship with God that that can't help but spill out to the next generations and then invest in them. Invest in the next generations. You know, we are so privileged as a church, and we've already seen so many of our kids. We're so privileged as a church to have such a thriving kids and youth work going on around here. And that's because of the investment that so many people who are part of our church community are making in the younger generations. And Sebastian is part of that. You know, we can invest in the faith of the next generations by giving of ourselves, by serving alongside others in kids and youth activities. We can invest in the next generations financially by giving to make all of those things happen. I asked Grace, who leads our kids and families work, and Ivan, who leads our youth and young adult work, I asked them to work out for me how much it costs per month to do the things that we do around here to invest in the faith of the next generations. And this does not include all the volunteer hours that go into it, by the way. But it costs around about £35 per child and young person per month to do the things that we do around here and to use the building that we use to do them in and all of that sort of stuff. That's the kind of investment that people around here are making in the faith of the next generations. So we can give financially to make that possible too. We can do it by encouraging and by being encouraging. We can do it by sacrificing some of the things we might like for the sake of the next generations. So the first piece of advice to the older generations, guard your heart and let it be soft towards the next generations. And then here's the second piece of advice. And these, uh, this piece of advice comes from the Old Testament Psalms, which are poems in the Old Testament. And it says this, one generation, in Psalm 145, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And Psalm 71 says, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So twice we get this command about God's mighty acts. So again, that's being aware of the work of God in our lives and what God is doing in our lives. It's about being aware of the mighty acts of God and telling them to the generations that are to come. This, by the way, this second one, I think, would be such a cool prayer for those of us who are getting a bit older and getting a bit grey. This would be such a cool prayer for us to pray. God, even though I am getting old and grey, 
do not forsake me, God, till I have the opportunity to declare your power to the next generation and your mighty acts to all who are to come. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be an amazing prayer to be praying? Can I live, Lord God, until I have had the chance to pass this on to the next generations? That, let that be my legacy. I love... Um, uh, we're in relationship with a church uh, over across the other side of the Atlantic in Atlanta, and the guy who leads that church, a guy called Andy Stanley, and he says this, and I love uh, this quote from Andy Stanley, what is the faith of the next generation worth? I say everything. We often use that around here. What's the faith of the next generation worth to us? It should be worth everything to pass on what we ourselves have received if you're a church person. So two pieces of advice then to the older generations. Number one, guard your hearts. Number two, invest in passing your faith on. So what about young people then? What's the uh, wisdom, the two pieces of wisdom for younger people? So if you are a younger person now, now's your time to retune in uh, to me. Having babbled on for a few minutes, you can retune in to me now. If you're a younger person, here's the wisdom for you. And the first bit of it comes from a letter a guy called Paul wrote to a young leader in the church called Timothy 2,000 years ago. And he says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. We're really going to try hard not to do that round here. But then, this is the bit I think is a real challenge for our young people, set an example. You know, so often it works the other way around, doesn't it, in society? We think that older people should be setting an example for younger people, and that's true. But what about this? What if our younger people said, you know what, we can set an example to all those old folks about what it means to live a passionate life following Jesus. Wouldn't that be incredible? And you know, our young people are so good at this already. You know, I've been telling a story all around the place. I got a message this week, an email from somebody who was really impacted by last week's message, by the sermon we preached last week. And uh, they don't live in Andover, so they were watching it on the live stream. And I got a message saying, please will you pass on our thanks to those involved in the live stream last week that we got to watch it and hear the message. Because without the people, and Tony's on today, and we say huge thank you, Tony's in behind this wall running the live stream right now so everybody can be watching it online. Without the people doing the live stream, that message would never have got across. Do you know who was running our live stream last week? 12-year-old Harry was running our live stream last week. Isn't that amazing? setting an example. And now loads of our young people are doing that. Josh and Josh were on uh, the studio duty with me before the service, and they'll be on again after the service, talking, debriefing this, critiquing the sermon uh, online after this to young people from our youth group. Now, our young people are setting such a great example for us in serving and having a servant heart in the life of the church, and I love it. And we want to say a huge thank you to us. Young people, you can set an example with your passion and your enthusiasm and your engagement and your involvement. So that's the first piece of advice for younger people. The second one is this, and it comes from the Old Testament book of Job. It says this, Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? I want to say this to younger people. Older people have a whole load of wisdom and experience that it is worth you tapping into. Older people have lived through things 
And do you know what? What's really interesting is although the things might be slightly different, living through them is exactly the same experience. You know, we wonder, and I hear this from younger people all the time at the moment, they say, you know, is it all going to be okay? The state of our world means we're asking ourselves this question, is it all going to be okay? And younger people in particular are asking that question. Well, do you know, older people have lived through numerous cycles where the world has felt like that. Is it really all going to be okay? And they have stories to tell you of whilst it may have been really difficult and difficult things may have happened, they have come through the other side of it. There is another side to difficult and challenging things. So younger people, I want to say to you, older people are worth listening to. They have wisdom and experience that it's worth tapping into. So there we go. Two pieces of wisdom for older people, two pieces of wisdom from young, for younger people. Older people, guard your hearts and keep them soft and invest in passing faith on to the next generations. Younger people, set an example for the older generations by your passion and your enthusiasm and recognize that there is wisdom in the older generations that it's worth tapping into. But you know, the only way we can really learn from each other, the only way we can share our passion and our enthusiasm and our wisdom and investment and all of that kind of stuff is if we adopt a posture, a posture of humility towards one another. That's the only way it can happen. So it's about the posture we adopt. It's about adopting a posture of humility it's about adopting a posture that says, I want to be in relationship across the generations. It's about adopting a posture of sacrifice, of saying, yeah, I'll give up some of my time or some of the things I like, some of my preferences for the sake of the next generation or for engaging with the older generation. It's about encouraging each other. It's about smiling at each other and chatting to each other and encouraging each other. And it's about listening to each other but here's the kicker when it comes to listening. It's about listening to each other, not to rebut each other so you can get your point across, but to really understand each other. It's about listening to understand, not listening to rebut or to argue. And if we adopt that posture, and all of us can do that, whether we would say we were Jesus followers or not, I mean, I think it's like, you know, a command to the Jesus follower, but I think it's good for all of us. If we adopt that posture, then we will truly be better together and we will truly be able to learn from each other. And when we do that, it is genuinely a life-transforming experience. And the really good news is you don't have to go to Kenya to get that. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, we thank you so much that you invite us into community with one another. We thank you so much that we are so much better when we are together. We are so much better when we value and appreciate and learn from one another. We thank you that a church like this is a place where community happens and where we get to be with others of all sorts of different shapes and sizes, from all sorts of different places and backgrounds, and from all sorts of different ages. Help us to truly value and appreciate each other. Help us, Lord, if we are younger, to set an example with our passion and our enthusiasm that's infectious. Help us to learn from the wisdom of those who have gone before us. And if we're older, Lord God, help us to respond to the challenge, to keep our hearts soft towards each other, and to keep our hearts soft as we reflect on the amazing things that you've done in our lives. 
And help us, Lord God, to respond to the challenge, to take brave moves and next steps in our willingness to prioritize passing faith on to the next generations. We pray all of those things in Jesus' name. Amen.